0: pray together, okay? Father, we thank you for your goodness, your forgiving nature. We ask that this morning as we look at your word and as we reflect on your nature, that you help us to embrace your ways and your character more fully. Thank you for for all that you do. Thank you for the the words of that song. And I pray that it may be the the testimony of our lives. It's our prayer. And we lift it together in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed with me and said, amen. 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 Just uh, good to see you all this morning. Um, two things before I start, say thank you Bob Priest and thank you Cody Shepherd, for speaking the last couple of weeks while uh, Laura and I were uh, vacationing and we had a couple of days, I uh, had a week in Colorado which was beautiful and then we had uh, a family reunion tail end of last weekend and we're, we're here and we're glad to be back. You know life is full of sin and life as a result is full of situations that require forgiveness, Right? Uh, That's just the way it is, whether we like it or not. Maybe you haven't thought all that much about it, but uh, some of us in this room have been cheated by contractors. Some of us have been shorted by insurance companies. They knew they were doing it. You knew they were doing it, but you couldn't do anything about it. Some of us have experienced what it means to be cheated by a family member. In all of those situations, forgiveness is required, right? Forgiveness is what's required. Maybe you uh, are married. I can guarantee you, if you're married, you've been taken for granted. It comes with the territory. Every person who gets married. In fact, in fact I, I've thought about doing a wedding message on that subject before. You know, a guarantee that you will be taken for granted on the wedding day. Yeah, it, it's true, but nobody wants to hear that, right? Nobody does. But it's a fact of marriage. If you're married, you're going to be taken for granted. If you're a parent, guess what? Kids aren't perfect. And if you're a kid, guess what? Parents aren't perfect. Which means forgiveness is going to be required in all things, marriage and family. That's just the way it is. If you're employed, news bulletin, companies aren't perfect, customers are sometimes unreasonable, Co-workers are sometimes selfish, vindictive, moody. If you have neighbors, friends, relatives who are still alive, guess what? Forgiveness is going to be required. I could go on. Forgiveness is not just an optional piece of life. It's an absolute requirement for making it through life in a broken and fallen world. Here's the problem, though, and we all struggle with this. What if I don't want to forgive the person? What if I don't feel like it? What what if in my mind I think that person doesn't deserve it because of what he did to me or she did to me or they did to us? What do I do when inside all I can think about is revenge when the truth of the matter is it's a situation from God's perspective where forgiveness is required. What, what do I do? What do I do? That's well, so what we're going to talk about this morning. If you have your Bible, open it to Matthew chapter 18. And I can guarantee you what Jesus has to say here to his apostles and say to us. Well, stretch us. It does. Uh, it, it's a passage. It's a, it's a thought and idea that we don't always uh, relish. But it is important for let me just say this, it's not only important for relational health and well-being, it's important for personal, emotional health and well-being. It's, it's an absolute key to a sustained marriage, to parenting relationships that, that endure into adulthood with your kids. It's absolutely critical to health and well-being of your company, of every facet of your life, where forgiveness becomes a well-oiled machine in the relational fabric of who, where you are. It changes everything for the better. So this is critical that we we hear what Jesus has to say to us this morning and embrace it as our way of life. It'll help us physically. I mean, unforgiveness is one of the great undiagnosed conditions of a physical nature in the lives of Americans and people around the world. The byproducts, what it does to your body all of that stress, all of that anxiety, all of that anger, bottled up in here and unreleased through forgiveness. Uh, it's destructive. So this is very critical. And the Apostle Peter was talking to Jesus about this. Undoubtedly, he had some issues in his mind that he thought uh, uh, were uh, uh, problematic. He, he, wanted, he didn't want to forgive somebody, probably, knowing Peter. Just like us, Matthew 18, let's start at verse 21. Let's listen to what Jesus has to say about this. Peter came to him, to Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who'd borrowed money from him. And in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please, please be patient with me. I'll pay it all. The master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Did he make him pay part of the debt? No, he forgave the debt. Forgave the debt completely. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me. I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait, and he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt uh, debt could be paid in full some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until so he paid his entire debt. Now listen carefully what Jesus summarizes and says here. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. It's interesting. I think it's intriguing to me that he even says, if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. It's like he even knows that he didn't end it just by saying, refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters, because he knows it's possible to say, I forgive you but not really do it from the heart. In these verses, it's pretty clear whether you and I feel like forgiving or not, it is God's expectation for us that we learn to forgive others from the heart. Forgiveness, mercy, is not just God's preference for us. It's a requirement for us. So when you and I don't want to forgive, which let's just be honest... Every one of us has those days, those seasons, those relationships, those circumstances that we're, where we just don't want to forgive. We think to ourselves, the other person doesn't have it, just don't, doesn't deserve it. We don't want to forgive. So when you and I don't want to forgive, what should you and I do? I mean, what do we do to not find ourselves in a problematic relationship with God because of where we are? What do we do? In these verses, Jesus reveals some insights worth remembering that I believe have the power to soften our hearts to help us want to forgive. That's why Jesus gives us this story. That's why Jesus gives us this teaching in Scripture. And the key is not just to listen to the the words of what he says, but to try to internalize them into our mind, our spirit, and uh, ultimately orient our lives around the kind of teaching that he's giving us here. And so for the next few minutes, I want to walk you through this passage And highlight some of these insights worth remembering that Jesus reveals. And my hope is is that you'll listen close and it'll help you maybe want to do what you struggle to do but know you need to do. Okay? When you don't want to forgive, the first insight worth remembering that Jesus brings to our attention here in the passage is we need to remember God's nature. That's really where it starts here in the text. When when we look at this, uh, Jesus reveals in Matthew 18 that God is significantly more forgiving than we naturally are, and and it shows up quickly in the text. I mean, if you look there at verse 22, how many times does Peter suggest, verse 21, 22, how many times does Peter suggest that we should forgive somebody? Seven times. Do you think Peter thought he was being generous? Of course he did. I mean, Peter... Peter's not a dummy. He'd be just like us in the situation. He'd look around and he'd say, there's seven days of creation. There are seven feasts of Israel. He starts thinking of all the sevens in Scripture, and he thinks to himself, God likes the number seven. How many times, he's more forgiving than I am. How many times would he want us to forgive? I know, seven times. So he thinks he's the star pupil giving the right answer before the question's even asked. I mean, this is what he's doing. Jesus fries his circuits. <laughs> because what's Jesus say? No. Seventy times seven. Now, all the, mat, all the accountants in the room think to themselves 490. And so I, we kind of go to this place. But there's so much that Jesus is doing in this passage. And just to give you a little glimpse, and we don't have time to go here, but it's worth thought and consideration. If you go back to Daniel chapter 9... God has decreed 70, remember this? 70 times 7, the, the, the years that are required for God to forgive the entire nation of Israel of its sin. 70 times 7. The angel Gabriel speaks of this in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Jesus is not just pulling a random number out of the air. It is on purpose that he appeals to this because what he's saying is he's saying, this is what I, God in the flesh, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, this is what we're doing for all of Israel. You can do this. He, He is intentionally frying their circuits, but he's appealing to the standard by which he himself is living. You think of all that Israel did in history offended and hurt, betrayed God, and, and God is willing to forgive even, even under that circumstance. I mean, God's, God's forgiveness, His mercy, His nature to be forgiving is, is extravagant. And then I think Jesus goes on in verses 24 to 30 to tell us the parable because He understands it. Probably, one, there's a lot of us don't, you know, He, he knew that we would be looking at this passage. He knew that most of us wouldn't even know that Daniel nine passage. So he explains the principle behind it all. He lays it out and he just, he paints this picture of the king, you know, who forgives his servant millions, just multiplied millions, an overwhelming, incomprehensible debt, and the servant who then can't do the same with a few thousand. I wonder if that has ever happened to any of us. You know, you know how our mindset is? It's like we think, I I got off on a million. Wow, am I lucky? And then and then it's crude, but the way our culture thinks is they think to the person who owes the thousands that I'm not willing to forgive. Kind of again, this is crass and crude, but we say to him, sucks to be you. Is this not our mindset? It's unacceptable mindset from God's perspective. It's not just crude, it's erroneous thinking, it's flawed thinking. It's inconsistent with God's nature. So, God makes this point, Jesus does, that one of the insights that you and I have got to remember if we're going to forgive, when we win the struggle to forgive, when we don't want to forgive, we got to remember that God is exponentially, He's not just a little more forgiving than us, He is exponentially, extravagantly more forgiving than we naturally are. And Jesus modeled this over and over again throughout Scripture. I think of instances like the Samaritan woman who he met at the well in John 4. Remember, she was divorced five times. She was living with a man, and she's talking here to Jesus in the middle of the day. What's Jesus do? He forgives her. Think of the woman caught in adultery in John 8. What's he do with her? Forgives her. I mean, he doesn't condone the adultery. See, that's the problem in our present day. We, we want forgiveness with, con- you know, the approval of the sin. He, he's not approving of the sin. He's forgiving her for what she's done, and she's, and she's choosing a different path of life. And he forgives that over and over and over again. You see this in Scripture. Think of the soldiers at the foot of the cross. They're gambling for the clothes that Jesus wore. They've mocked him. I mean, they put a crown of thorns on his head. They put a purple robe around him, hailed him as though he's the king. When, surprise, he is the king. Man, talk about, what's Jesus do? I mean, he's hanging there praying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That would have never crossed my mind if I was the one hanging there. Never. But it's God's nature. God wants to forgive. He sent Jesus because he wants to forgive. Not because he wants to judge. He, he wants us to understand values and absolutes and standards. Yes, he does want us to do that. That's why he gave us the Ten Commandments. But his expectation, his great longing, his dream, his, his prayer, if God were to have a prayer, is, oh, God, his prayer... Humble yourself. I want to forgive. I don't want to judge you. That is the perspective, the nature of God. And here's what I want you to hear. There's nothing you've ever done that Jesus is unwilling to forgive. This this is so important. You have to accept that. You have to embrace that biblical truth. That there's nothing you've ever done. Nothing. Nothing that God is unwilling to forgive. It's His nature. That's why Jesus died on the cross. And here's the truth. When you and I don't feel like forgiving, we need to remember God's nature and the extravagance of His grace, the extravagance of His love, because it will soften our hearts some. It does that naturally. Softens our hearts Increases the capacity to forgive somebody else who sinned against us. If we just remember, oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. He's he's forgiven me extravagantly. Maybe I can show a little grace towards somebody else. There's a second insight uh, worth remembering that that really just flows out of this text that can help us when we struggle to forgive. We need to remember the size of our debt. You need to remember the size of our debt. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, sitting down and looking at your financial loan balances. That's not what I'm talking about. You need to look at the size of my spiritual debt. The natural tendency for most of us is to underestimate the size of our spiritual debt. I mean, often I'll be in conversation with somebody over the years and somebody will be talking about, well, you know, I'm not an axe murderer, you know, or something of that equivalent, you know, I'm, they'll name the latest serial murderer who, you know, is terrorist who did some heinous thing and, yeah, I'm not that bad. Well, yeah, duh, you're not that bad. You, you've not done that. But that doesn't mean that the scale, the size of our debt, spiritually speaking, before God is not... Extravagant, well beyond the capacity for us to understand. In fact, what you find in scripture is that you and I have an incalculable debt that we owe God, and it's illustrated, the size of the debt is illustrated by the size of the payment that was required to satisfy the debt. I mean, God Himself had to leave a throne in the heavens, take up on Himself, robe Himself in flesh, enter into our world, and suffer horrible abuse constantly for the entirety of his life, and the crescendo, the climax of it all, was not his coronation. What was it? His crucifixion. That is illustration of the scale of our and my indebtedness to God. Our debt's illustrated in the parable. Jesus tries to convey this idea to us. You look at Matthew 18, and what you find in verses 24 to 25, he he describes it this way. He doesn't just pull these numbers out randomly. He's trying to give us us a sense of scale. He says, "One one of the king's debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, everything he owned to pay the debt. Now think about that. His wife was going to have to work the rest of his life, or the rest of her life. His children were all going to have to work the rest of their life. Everything they owned was going to have to be sold in order to satisfy... To, 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 and they still weren't going to be capable of satisfying the debt. And this guy was going to have to work the rest of his life, and it wasn't going to satisfy the debt. This is the scale we're talking about. And Jesus is trying to convey the biblical truth that each of us is enslaved by our debt to sin. It's overwhelming. It's multiplied millions. It is so beyond our ability to comprehend that the only rational thought from the perspective of a righteous God for you and me who are unrighteous people is to think I probably underestimate the size of my debt. That needs to become our mode of thinking, the operational way that we do life. My natural default reaction always needs to be I'm worse than I think I am. Does that run contrary to our culture? Yes, because we want to think everybody's okay. We're all good people. Yes, we can all behave in good ways at times, when it's convenient, when it pays, when it works in my benefit. What in our culture happens often when it doesn't work to my benefit, when it's more convenient, or more beneficial to lie, or to cheat, or to steal, or to collude. What do we do as a culture? We do those things. Our debt before God has multiplied millions an incalculable debt, and Jesus paints this picture, verse 26, and following of the man falling down before his master, begging him, please be patient with me, I'll pay it all. The master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave him his debt. Set him free. Set him free from imprisonment as well as free from the debt. It's an illustration of how our heavenly Father wants to humbly respond to all of us who will approach him from a place of humble repentance. Acknowledgement of my brokenness. Acknowledgement of even the scale of my own self-deception. This is this is how God wants to respond to us. God's saying, "You and I are deeply indebted to God, but if you'll if you'll ask, you can be forgiven." But our sin is a debt. You know, all the thought about debt this week, as I was working on this, just made me think of the U.S. national debt, and I know that just. Warms some of your hearts. So uh, sorry for, for going there, but it just couldn't help but think of it. And, I, and so I, I, just out of curiosity, I looked it up. You know, as of July 17th, which was this past Tuesday, we now have $21.3 trillion of, of accumulated debt. About 10 years ago, it was 11.2, similar time frame. Uh, we like debt as a nation. To just give you a sense of scale, One trillion dollars to spend one trillion dollars. Each of us, we would have to spend one million dollars per day and not miss any days. One million dollars per day for 2,739 years to spend one trillion dollars. That's a little longer than we'll live. But 2,739 years, you could spend a million dollars a day. That puts publishers' clearinghouse to shame, doesn't it? makes the lottery seem like chump change. If you wanted to spend 21.3 trillion, you'd have to spend one million dollars a day for more than 58,341 years. That's crazy. It's a staggering debt. It's nothing when you consider that the debt that we have before God, I mean, God makes it clear in Scripture that silver and gold could never pay, could never compensate God in any way. All, all the all the money, all the accumulated wealth of the earth, could not satisfy the debt that even one of us has with God. Is that not staggering? The size of your debt and mine before God is truly dramatically beyond what we can comprehend, and yet God has forgiven you and me if we'll humbly ask. And when you don't feel like forgiving, it's very important that you go there mentally and in your spirit. You got to remember that. You got to remember the scale, the size, the magnitude of your debt before God. Yes, somebody else may owe a little bit more than you or a little bit less, but the fact is, We're still dramatically overdrawn, every one of us. Every one of us. And God would be fully justified in in writing us off. But we are fully justified because He chose to pay the price for us. Is that not fascinating? It'll help you to forgive, it'll soften your heart and make it a little easier. To do what you know God would have you to do, but maybe you struggle to want to do. Another insight that's worth remembering when you're struggling to forgive is is this third one. It's the last one I'll highlight this morning, and that's we need to remember our choice. When you're struggling to forgive, you need to remember the choice that's before you. You and I can be judged according to God's justice or mercy. The choice is ours. Which standard by which he judges us has been, God made an advanced decision on this. His advanced decision was, I will judge humanity on the basis of how humanity judges one another. Do you see this? This is what the, the text says. In the parable, the debtor extraordinaire, if you will, couldn't bring himself to forgive His friend's comparably trivial debt. Just couldn't do it. Because he didn't have it coming. Matthew 18, 33, the king says he says to him when he calls him in, says, Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? What are you thinking? The king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And Jesus says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from the heart. Jesus is saying, when you don't feel like forgiving, it's a good time to step back and And if the scale of your own sin doesn't give you pause and create a soft enough spot in your heart to forgive, if that doesn't do it, and if remembering my nature and my forgiving, my my longing to forgive, if, if that doesn't do it, maybe the choice that I'm laying before you will help. Treat others. As you want God to treat you, it's as though God's just looking at all of us and just saying, "Do you really want justice? Tell me. Think about this. Do you really want justice from your friend? Because if you want justice from your friend, guess what? You're going to get justice for me, and I don't really want to do that. Is what God's saying. But I will. The choice is yours. You want mercy? Please choose mercy." Please, please, please. This is what God's saying. The standard by which you judge others is the standard by which you and I will be judged. It's the way the kingdom of God operates. It's a natural extension of the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Or the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have done unto you. It's kind of like, I mean, it's like salve in one situation, it's a sword in another situation. And yet it's the, it is the standard by which God judges. So my question for you this morning is, are there any people in your life that you've been holding unforgiveness over their head as though you were hurting them when the truth of the matter is sort of like the song says. It's, unforgiveness is the poison that we drink thinking we kill somebody else, but the truth is it hurts us. Yeah, this is, you know, the truth is that you need to forgive. And, and this morning as we've been going through this, you have just gone, okay. okay. Would you allow the, the words of Jesus from this passage to soften and tenderize your heart had a kind of a tough piece of meat here recently that we were going to cook on the grill, and it was kind of a cheap piece of meat. And I hadn't done this for a long time because I've had I've been spoiled. I've had really good pieces of meat for for quite a while, and didn't have to really do much to them to tenderize them. I had to pull out this uh, it was a it was a brisket, and I pulled out this one. This one tool that was given to me is by my mom years ago, and it's got these little knife blades that come down, and you put it over the meat, and you push down, and it just stab, 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 and, and then you you know you know how they used to do this? They would take take this other thing; it was like a mallet with like, and you beat the tar out of it. You know. Sometimes I look at these passages, and that's how I feel like God is doing to us. He's just like you know, just, just trying trying to tenderize our stubborn unforgiving, willful hearts when trying to get us to surrender to do that which we know we need to do but we somehow feel justified in not doing. Is there somebody in your life that you need to forgive who's like that? Just understand the heart of God. The Holy Spirit is pleading with you this morning. For your own sake, forgive. Forgive Donald Trump, forgive Hillary Clinton, forgive every extreme wacky thing you've heard on Facebook or you've seen in the internet recently. Forgive, this is part of the dilemma of our times. If we don't learn to forgive, game over, friends. No more United States. We do not think through the implications of our attitudes our actions very often, but Jesus is appealing to us here. Learn to forgive. How would your worldview change if you were going to be judged by the way you judged Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Think about that, friends. Because Jesus is. Jesus is thinking about that. It's the choice that lays before us. Who in your life do you need to forgive? Who's cheated you? Who's taken advantage of you? Who's disrespected you? Who's lied to you? Who's hurt you in some way? Will you choose to forgive as Jesus did? As he did you? In my estimation, there's no better time to, uh, for you and me to reflect on all this than during our communion time because it is the time we set aside on a weekly basis around here to pause and remember the price that was paid that forgiveness might be possible for us. I mean, Jesus endured horrific abuse. He was God in flesh and uh, he was treated like a common criminal, actually like a notorious criminal And this morning, as we share in the Lord's Supper together, it's an opportunity for you and me to pause and just to thank God that he would humble himself in that manner to ask forgiveness for the part that I and we and all of humanity has played in the abuse that he had to endure. To invite him to cleanse us. And I think as an addition to that, to just say, Lord Jesus, I can't forgive like you forgive It's not in me. But it's in you. I need more of you in me. Help me to choose your ways. Help me to love like you love. Help me to respond the way you would if you were in my physical place. And maybe in your mind and your spirit, you just need to name before him just throw out a few names of people. People that you need to forgive and just say, Lord Jesus, I forgive this person. You don't have to say it out loud. If you need to say it out loud, you can grab one of us afterwards and just say, I need to forgive this person and we'll pray with you about that. But um, maybe you can just verbalize it before the Holy Spirit and He'll hear that. I know that. And as you eat the bread and drink the juice, just remember that Those are the symbols of God's forgiveness of you. And as you forgive others, they're the symbols of his extended mercy to you and the other person as well long term. You do that? Join me in that this morning? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's a choice that lies before us all. Let's bow our heads and pray, and then our ushers of service, the bread and juice. Take those elements, pass the trays on, pray about this kind of stuff. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person within the sound of my voice. I thank you for the opportunity we have, the privilege you've given us of receiving mercy from you, from the incalculable debt that is ours toward you. We don't deserve the the mercy, the forgiveness, the kindness that you've given us, but we are grateful that you purchased our well-being on the cross, Lord Jesus. By your stripes and sufferings, we're healed. By your abuse, we've been set free. Because of your suffering, we've been cleansed. You freed us from the oppression of the evil one who would wish to leave us, keep us enslaved because of our many sins. But you came to set us free. Now you're calling us to set others free because we've been set free. And in doing so, to remember your mercy, your grace, your incalculable, calculable love, and this morning, as we take these emblems, the bread and the juice, we remember. We remember. We remember. Would you meet with us in these moments? If there are people we need to forgive, give us the courage to verbalize that to you. And then help us to remember God. That the key to letting them go so often is just do good to those who hurt you, persecute you, who. Help us to strategically do good to those who've offended us, who violated us, that we might be set free and others might be set free. Grateful for your grace. Thank you for the good that you did, Lord Jesus. May we follow in your footsteps. Meet us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Foi isso. you've got in your life you need to forgive, I just encourage you to inventory those today, this week, and just do the right thing. Make the wise choice. Before we uh, wrap up this morning, if any of you need prayer for anything in particular? Maybe you need to make Christ the Lord of your life. You just need to acknowledge that. You need to invite him into your life. We'd love to pray with you about that. Talk to you about that afterwards. If, if you need prayer for some situation where you need to forgive, you want to do it, you're just struggling internally, we'd be happy to pray with you about that afterwards. Um, just invite you to take advantage of that. A couple other things, just want to encourage you to be praying about various things uh, church-wise we've got uh, a couple of air condition three air conditioning units that'll be replaced here soon. We've got a roof, a new roof on both buildings that's going in all by the grace of God. Uh, those things are all being done, so it's, if you're a little warm this morning, I understand. You will be cooler in the near future, uh, so we're uh, looking forward to that. We have one one of our main units that's out, so um, so just thank God. I mean, that's all insurance related. So praise God for insurance. Um, so be praying about that. Want to invite you as well. Hang around afterwards. We have a friend uh, from North Africa with us this morning. Um, he you remember during our forward together and uh, before that even some uh, some of it, we contributed some resources toward some mp3 players in north africa so that you can put the bible on mp3 players and distribute it uh, a little more uh, effortlessly in the culture um, the individual who we sent those funds to and took care of that is with us this morning uh, he and his wife are home for uh, a little bit And she's speaking at another church here in Kansas City. That's her home church. And he was free, so he's here with us this morning. So uh, I've invited him to hang around afterwards for a little bit. And if you'd like to hear the story, which I can just tell you, it's cool uh, to hear what God did with those resources. Uh, Hang around for a little bit afterwards. We won't keep you long, but uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes, something like that, max. And uh, we'll kind of tell you the story and uh, listen a little more what he and his wife are doing over there and pray for him and send him on his way. But I wanted to invite you to stay if you'd like to hear that. So I'm glad to hear. But for other reasons, we're not introducing him right now, nor am I telling you his name. So uh, hang around afterwards if you'd like to know those things. All right. Let's bow our heads and pray and then we'll be dismissed. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness, your mercy, your forgiveness. We're not worthy. We will never be worthy. But you've chosen us, and you've made us yours. You've made us worthy by your choice. And we're grateful now, and we'll be eternally grateful. Would you help us to choose your ways, not just with words, but with the actions of our heart and life. Part of that's forgiveness. Help us, God. Would you go with us now as we leave this place? Would you guide our steps? Would you help us to communicate all this to the people in our lives that the world might be a better place? Help us to show it, to challenge others toward it. We'll give you credit for good that results. Go with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you all.